The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi everyone, I am Akinaitin and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. The show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. We've got Fishing Rick as co-host as always. How are you, mate? Oh, Maka, I'm fantastic. That's the got, got bumped for you once again. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got thick skin. That's all right. Oh, didn't. No, 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 no loving by the Adelaide faithful. And they, should, uh, they should be all over me. I, I went out and bought a fully signed Adelaide football um, for uh, 85 bucks yesterday. What a bargain. That's right. Yeah, that's, I'm surprised what they want me on their podcast, considering the uh, a couple of the things I've said. But that's all right. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> uh, and look, we've got a uh, we've got a guest, a first timer on the podcast this evening. We're speaking with Phil Reich. G'day, boys. How you doing? Good. Welcome aboard. Thank you very much. Nice to have you. Nice to talk to you. That's the way. Look, uh, first things first. How did you become a port supporter, mate? Okay. Well. Um... My family and I moved from Carnarvon in WA in 1977. And so I, I was 12 years old when I got here. So I really had no inkling of SA footy. Um, and that probably remained the case until uh, late 78. I remember my, my first memory of the, the Sandful was... Uh, the 1978 grand final between Port, so between Sturt and uh, Norwood. Uh, I remember Sturt went into the game as raging favourites and kicked 14-26 to lose the grand final by a point. So that was my first memory of the footy, and uh, um, I never really got into it until a, a magpie crazy mate of mine took me to the 79 grand final between Port and South, and of of course, Port won that game. I, I remember in the last quarter, it was the same day as the Collingwood-Carlton grand final and uh, a big cheer came up around the ground when it became clear that Collingwood had lost another grand final, so it was good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so um, Port became my team. I, I, I became hooked um, instantly and uh, kept following them. Uh, throughout the 80s and uh, then of course in the 90s uh, the Crows came in and I went to a couple of their games early mainly because of the the novelty of South Australia having a a team in the AFL that that quickly wore off (laughs) Um, and so when Port came in in 97 there was only one decision to make and uh, so I became a Foundation Power member and of course I've been following them ever since Fantastic well, Rick, I think you want to uh, talk a bit more about the Guernsey. We had a bit of a discussion about the Teal Guernsey last week. Um, what do you have to say about it this week? I want to talk about it, or you want to talk about it? I, I thought think I want to talk about. It. I reckon you want to you want to bag me about it because of my <laughs> my positioning on it. I actually I still like the Teal Guernsey. I I mean I you you guys have swung me over with the um, with the white Guernsey. I, I do get it, but I. And I actually liked the teal, though, with the white shorts. I thought it had more balance in its uh, visual appearance compared to the black shorts, Macca. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I preferred it still with the black. I think uh, the black stripe 
um, on the sides of the Guernsey. I think it matches well with the black shorts. Um, when I first saw it with the white shorts, I was like, oh, this looks too wishy-washy, but it did grow on me more as the uh, as the game wore on. And I guess it wasn't too bad in the end. Um, but look, I love the white Guernsey. That's probably my favourite Guernsey um, of the three, even better than the black one as well. Um, so I'm all for keeping the, the white Guernsey as the away Guernsey. I guess I think when I think of sporting teams... Um I always think of white as like, as the dominant colour, as more of a, a weak and meek colour when it comes to sporting teams. And it, there doesn't really seem to be much success surrounding teams that are, are wearing fully white uniforms. And Real Madrid. I'll leave it. Who? Real Madrid. What about them? <laughs> They've got a white Guernsey. They're the best soccer club in the, the world. Uh, for their home team, for their home Guernsey, I believe so. Or they're away. Oh, I don't know, but they, don't know. they still wear a, a, a an all white Guernsey. So you've got one team out of what twenty thousand sporting teams around the globe. <laughs> I'm sure there's other. That's that's done all right. But sure like, put it this way: it's it's not much, it's more of a minority colour for success when it comes to sporting teams, in my opinion. Mm. So uh, that's why I don't really like it. And I think the teal's got a. It's got a bit of a uh, a nice underline to it. It's got a, they've got a bit of a silver sheen to it, and uh, I don't mind it. I like it. Well, Rick, would you change your mind if we go top in it this year? In the white, in the white uh, away yeah. strip. If we play an yeah, away, we, we play an away final. We win in it. Would they make us wear the white Guernsey if we made the grand final? Uh, it I depends I guess if we if we got if we Sydney, I reckon again, we... maybe we'll get the prison bars. Ooh, oh, that would be an interesting one. Oh. Well, they try to get us to they try to ward both teams with the home Guernsey, don't they? Yeah. When it comes to the uh, the grand final, I guess if it's a ridiculous clash, someone has to give in. And yeah. yeah, look, I guess it's a good position to be in to have two or three tops. I don't hate the white Guernsey. Um, I and I'm with you, Macker. I, I do I do like it, but I I do have a uh, propensity to lean towards the teal. I, I do like the teal for some reason. I guess that's what makes us individuals great, isn't it? We have Indeed. different opinions, even though mine's more right than yours. <laughs> well, look, let's talk about the game on the weekend. It was the second NAB Challenge game at Lavington uh, on Saturday afternoon. Um, it was a bit of a tough game for Port supporters. A full-strength Richmond won pretty convincingly by 66 points against pretty much our reserve side. Um, what did we think of the game, boys? Well, guys, I, I'm a little bit disappointed that you uh, got me on the podcast when our uh, finals hopes are now dead. The good news is, though, that Richmond's now Premiership favourites. It is, it is. Yeah, our mate Alex is on fire on the Crows board, reckons uh, he put $15 on them because they look so good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old Alex. Good work. Hi. Alex, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, the only saving grace for me with that game was the fact that we had Australia playing the World Cup game and the Formula One as well. So there were patches where I was struggling to watch it. So I was able to flick quickly just to give myself a bit of a reprieve before I went back to the game. Yeah. Well, look, we had 16 players out who you would expect to play in round one. And that's pretty much our entire forward line, our entire starting midfield, three defenders plus throw in Impey as well. Um so, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely played our reserves team or, or probably our, our worst 22, I guess you'd say. Um, 
So, and should we have done that, boys? I think so. Yeah, I, I think it was a fair thing to do. We've done it the last two years, and we've had the same reaction the last two years. Uh, I remember in 2013 uh, when we lost to Melbourne, um, and they said that they would thrash us on the back of that uh, in round one of that backfired. And then obviously last year against the Crows, we, we played a similar uh, tactic and obviously uh, round one and, and two came and, and we won then as well. So look, I think it's fine for us to play a, a weaker side in, in one of the NAB games. Um, hopefully this week, well, obviously this week we'll play a stronger side, which is what we need to do. Uh, but look, I think for one week in the middle of, uh, of the preseason, it's fine to, to give the reserves players a bit of a go. I think the main thing is we, the main focus has to be round one against Fremantle. I mean, if we beat Fremantle in round one, who's going to remember this game two days ago? Exactly. It was the same story with the showdown last year. Who's going to remember the fact that we lost by 80 points to the Crows at Richmond over when we beat them by 10 goals in the showdown in round two? Pro supporters. Crows fans, that's right. <laughs> but, but does the club owe, owe us as supporters the... The potential of watching a, a little bit more uh, of a competitive side than what they presented. I mean, it was a pretty underwhelming spectacle for us as a supporter um, to try and view that game. Sure, but I think the uh, some of the players have to take responsibility for that as well because I think some of the more senior players in the side uh, disappointed on the day. Um, maybe if they performed a little bit better, uh, the result wouldn't have been as bad as what it was, but... Look, I'm for all for us winning a premiership, and if this helps us um, start the season in, in fantastic form and, and helps us on the way to a premiership, then I'm all for it. Do people take the NAB series too seriously then to, for us to be ridiculed in certain media circles for the team that we presented? Is it, it really does become a question of, is it our divine right to field any side we want? Because at the end of the day, it is a glorified trial game. I think, um, you go on. No, you go, mate. You go first. I, I think um, if you take the NAB Cup seriously, uh, at the moment, um, Hawthorne, Sydney and Port will finish in the bottom four and the Giants will win the grand final. Yeah, I mean, it swings and roundabouts. There's teams that do need to take it seriously because they need to improve. Um, so they need to play their first team more and more throughout the preseason. Um, you know, teams like us and Hawthorne and Sydney, we don't really need to do that because we know that our first team is, is good enough to start the season with the bang anyway. Yep. Um, so I'm more than happy to do this. In terms of the media, I think the actual media itself have been pretty logical with how we played and why we did it on the weekend. Some supporters are, are a bit funny about it. Some other supporters, I mean, you know, you can't help intelligence in the end, can you? No, no, you can't. I just wonder, though, if it affects sort of adversely a player like, say, Johnny Butcher, who, uh, who, was, who was showing a bit in the, uh, the first game against West Coast and then and really became a bit of a victim of poor delivery and then, uh, and then uh, positional changing in the game, throwing him to defence and in such a struggling outfit. So, uh, but I guess one person compared to the greater good of the team, I guess the greater good of the team is going to prevail, but... I'm not sure that sort of hit out did John any favours. I'm not sure John did John any favours either, to be honest. I mean, in the end, it's the chicken and the egg thing again. I think I've been banging on for the last 12 months that I'm just not sure he knows how to how to lead and, and command the ball at AFL level. I think that's something that I'm not sure he's ever going to, to get. 
Um, that's just a personal opinion. Um, and I think it was the same on the weekend. I mean, I think he had one touch to half time. And even though we weren't getting the inside 50s, even though the delivery was a little bit poor, even when we are playing our full side, he still can't get in position to contest the ball often enough. I, I think it's a problem that he's had to deal with. I'm not sure he's ever going to get over that. Um, it's even an issue in SANFL um, where we've probably got one of the best midfields in the SANFL as well. So, you know, is it chicken or the egg? Is it is it a poor delivery or is it John who isn't capable of reading the play when it comes uh, when it comes into the forward line? Well, I guess the key is going to be this week if he's playing, which I imagine he would be. Um, he's going to be in a, a full strength side, so this will be his perfect opportunity to. Uh, uh, to stand up and, and not have all the heat on him. And uh, you will have Schultz and Westhoff obviously playing, so uh, that will make a uh, big difference. Absolutely. Maybe as the, th- as the third key in that forward line, he'll get uh, a bit better delivery, a bit better chance on a smaller defender um, to make a bit of a, a go for himself on the weekend. Yeah, I think the extra class around him will count. Um because he, he really was the main man on Saturday um, and I don't think he embraced that too well. So what do we take out of this game? What, uh, what logical things can we take out of this? The, we need a lot of work. Our, um, yeah, our, we... second, our second string players just seem to really uh, uh, struggle under the uh, intensity, which is fair enough. Uh, they tried to execute the the running game plan, but just couldn't do it whatsoever. And every time they tried to uh, to run the ball out of defence, they, they hit a uh, Richmond brick wall and it just sort of came to a grinding halt. That was probably the most glaring thing. So yeah. obviously uh, they they don't have the composure yet, which again is fair enough for, for such a young side that really you know plays together at that sort of level. So, um, But I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest. I was hoping we would have impacted the scoreboard a little bit more. Um, and it didn't necessarily have to be just in goals for, but just in scoring shots in general. And we were, really became dysfunctional with our forward movement and, and inside 50 delivery. No, I guess uh, you would hope for more than, what was it, six goals to no score at quarter time. I guess that's probably one thing that we would have hoped for when the game was fresh, that um, our players might have come out with a bit of a bang as well. But... I think, obviously, the midfield struggled um, against their first-rate midfield, uh, especially in the first half. We, we just couldn't get our hands on the ball and couldn't get it forward enough. Um, I think they ended up with nine more clearances and, and over 30 more contested possessions. So they did boss us around in that midfield battle. Um, our forward line was nowhere to be seen. I think we had 35% efficiency from the inside 50, so that was quite poor. Um, I actually thought... Uh, defensive group played pretty well considering the amount of ball that was coming in I thought they um, they handled that situation really well um, especially Cleary on uh, on Vickery I think it was, I thought he did a really good job and, and Homsch as well standing rewalt. Um I think they, only, they both only gave up one uh, scoring shot each which I thought was a fantastic effort Yeah um, yeah. I think our, um, our young defence at times was a little bit jumpy there was, I think there was one effort in the second quarter, I reckon it was, where I'm not sure who it was. It might have been Cleary. Um, should have gone for the mark but went for the punch instead. That said to me he was really nervous and wasn't confident about going for the mark. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do remember that, and I cringed a little bit at that. I thought, God, you've got to take the mark there. But in the end, I thought he played pretty well. I thought he had a, a much better game than what he did um, last week against West Coast. Yeah. Well, the defenders individually played quite well, considering what they were up against. Um, I thought I thought Nathan Cracker's first half was fantastic. Um, he continued on from his performance last week and uh, I made a comment on the board it was noticeable watching the 2009 uh, replay before the game um, watching his half-assed efforts that tried to tackle in 2009 compared to six years on his endeavour at the, the player at the contest is just you know complete 180 degrees in attitude you could it was just so noticeable and uh Look, I think he's almost done enough to be deserve, uh, deserving of being upgraded, to be honest. Um, I thought, yeah, he was a fantastic player for us in the first half. And I thought, Jake Nee, I thought you were a little bit critical on him, Macca. I thought his first half, he, he really tried to uh, fly the flag and get the ball in some contested positions. Yeah, I thought Needy did a pretty good job in his tenacity and his attack on the ball. I thought was great. He just didn't have any time to, uh, to do what he does, really. He was just under the pump the whole time. You know, there was one or two players ready to tackle him as soon as he got the ball, pretty much every time he went near the ball. So it wasn't really so much um, his fault. It was more just the situation of the day, I think, with him. Yeah, I think so. I think all our contested ball winners really lacked that running outside player that they're used to uh, being able to deliver the ball to, to have an outlet. We just didn't seem to function that well with that aspect of the game. Look, as we did last week, I want to throw around a few names just to get an opinion of how they went. Um, Jared Redden, his first game for 18 months, um, it was, I thought it was fantastic to see him out there again. No doubt about that. Um, I think they said 651 days between games. That's about 93 weeks. Uh, it's fantastic to see him back on the Oval again. Yep. And uh, I just jumped through the roof when he hit that, kicked that goal in the last quarter. Mm. Fantastic. He Absolutely. Well. Was, uh, probably, he looked like he tired as the game went on, um, but I thought he, he had some pretty decent ruck work there against a, a very good ruckman in Marich. And uh, in the end, you know, to kick a goal as well was fantastic. And look, if he can get himself a little bit fitter and stay fit, um, you know, that would be so crucial for our list structure um, this season. Well, I still think he's a more naturally gifted tap ruckman than what Loby is. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. And again, if I go back to those preview games before the game, uh, you could see his potential in that 2012 um, replay they had with the Richmond with the draw. Um, His tap work in that game was fantastic. And the commentators were picking up that really, if he could just work on his around-the-ground play, uh, he'd be quite a formidable ruckman. And I guess, obviously, with the injuries, uh, he hasn't been able to really develop that tank. So it'll be interesting to where, where he goes. But... I think he's just a naturally gifted ruckman, and he, he, uh, if he can keep fit from here on in, he'll be a major weapon for Port Adelaide, and I'm assuming that's why they're stuck fat with them. And I've got, a, I've got a really interesting question for the pair of you in relation to Jared Redden. With what he showed on Saturday, and with Paddy Ryder unavailable, if you came to picking a round one team and you've got to choose one of these two players... Who would you rather pick? Would you rather pick Jared Redden for round one against Fremantle or would you rather take John Butcher? 
I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. I think I'd probably just lean towards Butcher at this stage of the season. I think give it another four or five weeks, then I would be leaning towards Redden. Yeah, it's, it's a t- I think it's line ball. Um, you could argue maybe uh, is Redden's goal kicking a little bit more stable? Um, could you rely on him to kick you a clutch goal more than you could Butcher? Well, I, 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 pers- I personally think that I think his influence, even unfit, um, would probably be greater in that side uh, than what John Butchers would at this point in time. I, uh, I think he would be able to provide a, at least a 20% chop out for Loby in the ruck yep. and go forward and probably have a bit more of an impact. And uh, what we lose in run, we would gain an added ruck value and uh, marking contest in the in the general play. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I just think, um, yeah, I mean, if it was a bit later in the season, I'd definitely be heading towards Redden. I think, uh, but then I think, well, maybe you know, going up against Sandilands in the ruck, you know, we do need that sort of second ruckman. But, uh, you never know. Hopefully, riders available. Well, down the track, um, can we play rider? Um, Redden and Loby in the same team. Doubt it. Only if Schultz and or Westhoff were out. Yeah. I think we'd be a bit too tall. Um, Not that Ryder would slow us down too much, um, but I just think, yeah, I reckon we might be one tall top heavy. That's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. Unless we play Westhoff permanently on a wing, but that means we're still dropping... A runner. Well, we're dropping two runners out of our side, and our whole game plan is based around fast gut running. Yeah. So uh, our midfielders would be really exposed on the uh, on the rotations. That's right. Well, it's a nice problem to have, I think. Mm. Oh, it, it is. is. Absolutely. Well, look, talking about uh, runners, um, Carl Amon. How do we see his game? I thought he was pretty good again, and and showing some consistent form. Yeah, um, I didn't see too much of him. Um, um, yeah, I'd, I'd want to see a little bit more of him before I um, judge, um, you know, on him. I guess, I don't know, he's, he's probably a little bit like Archie at the moment where he's maybe just not getting enough ball, but obviously he's not as um, uh, developed in the system as Archie. So uh, I like what he does with the ball and I like his positioning. I just want, I think he probably needs to spend the first few games at SANFL level and accumulate a lot, a lot more possessions and get his confidence right to a high level, and then uh, he'll be pushing for senior selection. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of a young Brett Ebert in when he first burst onto the scene in 2002, I think it was, at SANFL level, um, where he had this really nice kick, but probably every three or four kicks he'd do this shocking grubber along the ground, and it was just a waste of possession. He kind of reminds me a lot like that at the moment. Um, if he can get his foot skills just that extra 5% better um, and cut out those grubber kicks, um, I reckon he'd be right up for selection. And you mentioned Archie. He's the, the next player that I wanted to talk about because I thought uh, for the first time he looked really comfortable out there at AFL level. Um, and his handball skills are just fantastic. Yeah, he's definitely... I think Brendan's a, uh, a real confidence player and I think he's still getting there. And... Look, I've been a big defender of him, and uh, I'm wi- I'm not willing to write him off just yet. I can I can see why people are starting to scrub lines through him, but I think that last quarter he really showed confidence, and he, 
he fumbled the ball after he burst through the pack and with the lines and um, and ran through the centre of the ground. And but he, he you could that's all a confidence play in a player, and that's probably the hardest part for for these guys to get the confidence to do and not be afraid to get the holding the ball or stuff it up. So yeah, I mean again he probably didn't get enough ball for what we were expecting. Uh, but I think he's on the right track, and I think he's got great skills. He, like you said, his handballs are fantastic. He, his skills are, are pretty good. He doesn't burn too much of the ball. We just need to to get more, see him get more of it. Yeah. I think blokes like Brendan Archie are the reason why experiments like the Laverton one are necessary, uh, because of if 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 a kid like that can shine in a game like that. Um, maybe gives him some sort of hope for the future, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, That's a good point. And I think it, he's probably going to be one of the victims with all the players coming back where he, he might lose that spot for, for this week's game. And he's probably one of those players, along with uh, Butch, that probably needs to play this next game, get that three games at that level to really try and get some confidence and belief in themselves. My point exactly, yeah. Uh, next player, Wags the dog, Johan Wagner, the recruit. Um, how do we see his game? Good in patches. Um, obviously, I think he got a bit of stage fright at times. Um, did a couple of nice things. I would have loved to, loved to have seen him uh, jag that goal. Yeah, that would have been nice. He had a couple of opportunities where I think it was his teammates which let him down. He sort of ran forward at the play, got some really good space. All that had to happen was for the disposal to get to him um, and it didn't quite get to him. He, he probably could have ended up with two or three goals on the day. just didn't work out that way for him. But, yeah, he was good in bursts um, and then went missing for large periods of the game. I thought he had a really good um, period in the first quarter where he laid three really hard tackles and won himself a free kick. Um, and as you said, it would have been great for him to slot that goal. Did I... He re- who he reminds me of at the moment uh, in his playing ability and his speed is Wade Thompson. Hopefully he can hopefully he can continue on to have a more successful career than what Wade did, but he's got that burst speed about him which is really eye catching and, and you think, wow, he could really uh, he could really make an impact here and uh, but it's just about can he get enough ball. Wade struggling to get ball at even at SA NFL level let alone AFL level, and I think that has to be Wagner's dilemma. Yeah, he's got he's got the goods, and he looks like he could have the package, but has he got it enough to put it all together to get enough ball and the skills to, to do it? That's all. How old is he? Uh, 24, I think. Yeah, so he, he's if he's going to make it at the highest level, he's probably running out of time. Yeah, yeah he'd want to impress this year with the Magpies, and I think he will. I think he's got the, the talent um, to make a name for himself at SANFL level. Whether that can um, go up another notch and, and he can do something at AFL level, I'm, I'm not too sure, but, you know, you never know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But, geez, he's fast. He's really quick. Imagine, <laughs> really imagine, quick. imagine if Flynn stayed and having him and Flynn on the halfback flakes. Yeah, it would be crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh. Or maybe he'll he kick the winning... He didn't get a lot of time on ground either, um, uh, Wagner. So, I don't know. He, he ended up with four touches. I thought he got a little bit more than that, but, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. 
with that one. Uh, Dougal Howard, our, our first pick in the draft last year, it was his first game um, for the power. How do we see him? Did he have more influence in the second half than the first did. half? Yeah, I thought he did. I thought he played a really good second half. And, and it, it, again, it was kind of similar to Wagner where he got uh, in pretty good position but just couldn't get the possession at, at the right moment. But he took a couple of really strong grabs and um, really liked his leap um, and his ability. I think he reads the play pretty well. Um, and I think there's definitely something there to work with. He's still only a baby, isn't he? 18, 19? Yeah. Yep. So plenty of time there on his side. Absolutely. I agree with you there. It's uh, Well, I was on the road and they were talking him up in the last quarter when I was driving and uh, and really pumping his tyres and saying they like the uh, the looks of him. So I did, to be honest, I didn't notice too much of him in the first three quarters as I was watching on TV, though. But um, how can you judge an 18-year-old, 18-year-old key position player? I mean, they're... Years out of being physically developed and uh, and ready to impact a game, so if you can get something out of him at this age, it's a bonus. Yeah, I just think keep him on the list because of his name. Yeah, it's a great name. It's a top name. <laughs> well, let's talk about another young key forward, which is Mitch Harvey. Uh, he ended up with the four disposals, played a little bit up forward, a little bit in the ruck as well, and um, I thought he struggled a bit on the day. Yeah, his fitness yeah, yeah. is still lacking, isn't it? He just doesn't have that athleticism which makes you go, this guy's going to make it at an AFL level. It's a shame because he's a bit of a monster, isn't he? If he could make it, he's uh, he's got the size. He's got the size, he's got the body, um, and his skills are great. He can take a good mark. Um, if you can't run and if you're pretty slow, there's not many really, really slow... Um, key forwards going around anymore so yeah I'm, I'm just not too sure um, I think they'll give him a few more years to develop um, to see if they can get his tank up see if they can find a bit more sort of explosive pace out of him but um, at the moment um, you know he's looking up against it When I hear his name I just think of Mission Yes me too yeah <laughs> Absolutely And look, the last player that I want to talk about is Jesse Palmer, another uh, first-year recruit. Um, you know, he uh, he looked a little bit slow out there as well. He got six touches. Um, I liked what he did when he got the ball, um, but lack of pace seems to be a bit of an issue for him. Yeah. He, um, how old is he, though? He's only 18 as well, isn't 18, he? Yeah. But he's a solidly built uh, player, and he didn't seem to flinch in the contest. Probably won't play this week against the Crows, I wouldn't think. Well, what do we want to see against the Crows? Well, a full strength side. Yep. Yeah, I, w- I don't really care if we win or not. Obviously, it'd be nice. Uh, it'll get the Crows fans all excited about the year ahead. Um, what I'm hoping for is that Travis Boat can practice uh, roaming around the ground untagged this week against the Crows because that's what he's going to get in two weeks' time against Fremantle. I think Boke would rather pleased that uh, Crowley's not going to play. Yeah, it was probably a good thing for us. Um, but in the end, I think uh, Bokey's pretty much torn him a new one the last couple of times he's uh, he's faced him. So, I don't know, maybe they might put someone else on him like uh, Lockie Neal and he might get a bit of a harder go, you never know. But then that frees somebody else up. It does. 
does. But yeah, I guess I'm just looking to see our key midfielders really have a big game this week. Uh, I want to see, uh, I'd like to see Ollie Wines maybe get 80% game time and, and see if that's going to be reflective of his, um, you know, his game time for the year where he, last year he's sort of sitting around that 70% range and uh, it'll be interesting to see if Robbie's going to play more forward with our uh, injury to Chad, which I probably assume would be unlikely that he'll be playing round one and, um, and Angus Montfrey being out. So do we play an extra midfielder? Do we play someone like Broadbent more in the midfield uh, this weekend for round one? Because we've got a plethora of um, up-back flankers allowing Robbie to spend a bit more great game time in the up in the forward half. Well, it's possible you give someone like Carl Amon a, a bit of a shot or Aaron Young, who played a really good game on the weekend, I thought, with two goals and, and over 20 touches. Um, you know, he's pushing for selection and you know, it might be worthwhile giving Youngie another shot. Um what do I want to see against the Crows is, I guess, the first things first is no injuries. That'd be great. Um, the second thing I want to see is probably a, as full a strength side as what I can see, or as what we can do. Obviously, there's going to be players that can't play, but um, you know, if we can get the the first team together, um, keep our structures together, don't change around too much, um, and just concentrate on what we need to do to uh, give us the best chance in round one. That's what I want to see. Are we playing about 29 again? You can only play 24, I think. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So we can't really... Even though this is where I think the trial games, you should be able to play 29 or 30 players or whatever. Because I guess that's what it's really about, isn't it? But, yeah, I guess... I And I'm keen to see Butcher play, even though I've just said I'd take Redden over Butcher. I don't think that's actually going to happen due to fitness. So... Uh, assuming that that is not going to happen and Butcher's going to be playing. I, I really want to see how he, he fits into a full-strength side and uh, works a forward line with um, with Schultze and Westhoff because uh, until Ryder's back, he's going to be a very important player, that third tall player. So who's the, uh, who's the away team this week? Who's, whose name will be at the top of the scoreboard? Probably Adelaide. <laughs> So, can you see any defenders dropping out? Do you think Cam O'Shea will, will drop out this week? or Because um, obviously Tom Jonas will be back. Broadbent will be pay, playing maybe that sweeper role. Uh, Jasper as well will be there. Well, I think, yeah, obviously guys like Vern Jones and Sam Russell will drop out of the side. Um, possibly crack as well. If we've got a limited 24 players, it'll be interesting to see what extra two players we might choose. Um yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe Paul Stewart might drop out as well. Well, I think he'd be pretty unlucky. So I reckon I've been really impressed with Paul Stewart and, um, and Nathan Cracker, and I, I think they actually deserve a round one start over Cam O'Shea at this point in time. I'd agree with that. Oh, that, that would be a tough call. That would be a very tough call. Well, if you if you stacked I don't think, up, the... uh, I'm not too sure that Cam O'Shea will play around one. I think I think I said last week that I think it's going to be horses for horses between him and Impey all year, um, depending on yeah. who we face and the, and the type of uh, forwards that they're going to have to play on. Um, but you never know. I mean, it, it looks like Ballantyne might be out. Um, I don't know. Maybe we do choose O'Shea over Impey. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking that I'd rather, at this point in time, I'd probably rather see, uh, and I know there's a lot of O'Shea fans out there, I think I'd rather see Paul Stewart 
start over O'Shea at this point in time. Yeah. You've got to remember O'Shea's final series was very, very good last year, though. That's true. Yeah, but maybe he's one of the maybe he's one of those players that is a bit of a slow burner. Takes him a little while to get his fitness going and get into it. It's it's not like I'm saying. I don't think he should play round one and never play again. I guess I'm just saying, based on form, I think that Paul Stewart's pre-season has been a lot more serviceable than, than Cam O'Shea's. And just on form only, I would I would suggest that maybe Stewart starts. And let's face it, um, Paul Stewart does seem to have a history of having a bit of a run and then he, he seems to drop off. So I don't think he'd, he would probably command his spot for the full season. It hasn't so far in his career, so... I don't think uh, Cam would be without opportunity yet early on in the in the first couple of games. That's fair enough. Well, Rick, yeah. what do you think of the uh, sentiment on the uh, forum over the last couple of days about maybe Pittard being dropped? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the idiot that's saying that? You guys that's on there, just... there's, a of, there's a bit of Pittard hate there. Oh, that's just outrageous. I mean, I've... Obviously, those people are just delusional and smoking some weird crack that bloody uh, Ben Cousins chasing the army reserves for or something. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, even Macca has converted and can see uh, Pittard's value to the side now. And um, I thought he had a pretty good game on, on Saturday. He tried to provide a lot of run and carry. And uh, I think there has to be an audit into the turf out there because um, there's no way that Jasper would slip over like that without something uh, going wrong with the grass. It's Jasper just... Oh, that was just outrageous. It But then he got a free... But then he got brutalised and got the free kick for the high tackle. That was his plan the whole time. <laughs> suck in a free kick and give his give his teammates an opportunity to run forward into the inside 50 so he could uh, make a nice pass. But... But seriously, I thought he had a he had a reasonable yeah, game. I think he's been playing. Good half footy again. I, I think all pre-season he's been probably in second gear. I don't think he's really um, cranked it up into. He's been playing pre-season mode. That's how I've seen his pre-season so far. And look, I mean, people can not like him uh, for some of the stuff that he does, and and that's fine. I mean, there's always got to be a, a bit of a fall guy in our team. It doesn't matter what year it is. It's always the case. But I find it highly unlikely if Ken Hinckley wasn't going to pick him. Well, all that matters is Ken loves him. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and uh, uh, whatever the fans think, uh, Ken's going to keep picking him. <laughs> well, at, at the end of the day, I mean, I was talking to a former AFL player um, uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, yeah, basically his opinion was, well, if the coach doesn't want to pick you, you're not getting in the team. <laughs> and it's the same thing. If the coach loves you, you're going to get picked in the team. And he he probably is a, is a, that bipolar player that divides and uh, people, but he does bring a lot to the side. And, you know, he brings a lot of run and carry. A bit like Jared Pollock that we talk about. I thought he really tried to show a lot of run and carry on Saturday. And not everything uh, came off. But, you know, you need, in modern football, you need those line-breaking players. They're just a fundamental to the game. When he has the class around him when the season starts, it, I, I'm really excited about what to expect from Polek this year. I think he's going to be sensational. What about that cheeky little um, standing next to Archie in the pocket going, going, kick me the ball on his wrong side? I think, uh, I think Brennan should have stood up, stood up to him there and gone, piss off, mate, I'm having a shot for goal here, buddy. 
Alright, lads, we might uh, leave there for now. Phil, Good work. Phil, thanks for coming on. No worries, thanks for having me, guys. Easy. Yeah, thanks, Phil. And Thank you. no more um, no more pit art hate, mate. Otherwise, <laughs> you're, you're not welcome back on this hey, program. Every day. Just. <laughs> You're all right. All in, all in good fun, buddy. Yeah, I know. All right, boys. Count the power. Go the power. Go Port Adelaide Football Club. Football. He ignores it. He goes long to even. Bouncing ball. Back of the pack. Stuart Jew. Box back there. Needs to rush it. Jew off the deck. The Jew kick. The ball. Has slowed it. The ball barracks for Port. <laughs>